Welcome to the Friday edition of Uptempo Sports 24-7. I am your host, Coach P. And what better way to get you ready for the weekend's action in the NCAA tournament leading into March Madness and the Sweet 16 than you have you dancing in with Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5. We've got an array of topics for you in this Friday edition of Uptempo Sports. We're going to talk about, of course, March Madness. We've got to talk about the trades in the NBA, and we'll give you a little bit of insight on the NFL. But, of course, let's get this platform started talking about the Sweet 16 and March Madness. And it has been great to see the tournament at its highest peak. And I say that referencing the fact that we weren't even sure we were going to get a tournament. But the teams and the NCAA has done a really good job of trying to keep everybody safe in this version of the bubble in Indianapolis. And we have gotten upsets galore in this tournament. And that's not a bad thing. Because you know what? It's good to have a fresh breath air of new teams vying for an opportunity to capture an NCAA championship. But what we did see with this Sweet 16 that we'll have over the weekend is that the teams that you believe coming in to be at the top of your brackets the Gonzagas and the Baylors, they're still there. Teams like Illinois, teams like Kansas, those teams have been early outs. So we have in the bracket on the side with Gonzaga, we have a matchup of Gonzaga and Creighton. Then you have USC and Oregon, and there are four Pac-12 teams going into this tournament you would have never thought the Pac-12 would be representing the way that they are. So you have four Pac-12 teams. You have three Big East teams. And you have two ACC teams. Now, one of those ACC teams that we thought we would see would be Florida State. But I don't think anybody has Syracuse getting to the Sweet 16 on their bracket unless you just happen to be a Syracuse alum. <laughs> I really don't think that many people thought Jim Beheim and this particular orange man's team would get to a Sweet 16. But let's go ahead and give you the order of the teams that are representing the Sweet 16 for this weekend. So we told you you had Gonzaga versus Creighton. I like Gonzaga in this matchup. Um, I think I've already explained to you guys how I felt about this Creighton team and um, Coach Greg McDermott. Again, nothing against these, these kids, these young men, but... I still have a problem with the way that the university handled that whole situation. So I'm looking for Gonzaga. They've been very impressive in their last few games. Looking for Gonzaga to make early work at Creighton. You have USC and Oregon. Unfortunately, these two teams did not get an opportunity to play in the regular season due to COVID protocols. This should be a really good matchup. You have potentially a lottery pick in this game for USC. And so Mr. Mr. Mobley. So I think that um, I'm going to roll with USC in this game against Oregon. But 
wouldn't be surprised if Oregon, if they have their three-point shooting on par, would could get a victory here. You have Michigan versus Florida State. This should be a really good matchup. I picked Florida State in this game because of the fact that they have size that can match up with Michigan. They have big men. They could possibly get um, the young freshman, big 10 freshman of the year, Mr. Dickinson, in trouble. Um, Michigan, tough game, their last game against LSU. They got mad production from some players that we didn't expect. This should be a really good game. Jawan Howard has done a hell of a job in resurrecting this Michigan basketball program since Coach Beeline has left. Um, and so I am going to roll with Florida State. I would like to see Michigan win this, but I think that Florida State, there's going to be a matchup problem, especially on a perimeter um, with the length that Florida State presents to Michigan. Um, so I'm going to roll with Florida State in this game. Then you have UCLA, I think the surprise, one of the surprise teams of this tournament going against the Alabama team that is the collegiate version of the um, Mike D'Antoni-led Houston Rockets. Alabama will shoot at least 30 threes in a game. You saw what they did in the second half against the Maryland Terrapins, how they dismantled them hitting those threes. And if they get on the roll, it's not a whole lot of teams that can stop that stop that pressure of those three-pointers. This should be a really good matchup. UCLA has been playing very well. They've gotten mass production from their guards. I like this. This game, I think, is going to be one of the better games for the Sweet 16. But I'm going to go with Alabama in this game because of their shooting and the way that they play defense on the perimeter. Then we have the uh, one of the favorites in this tournament, Baylor versus Villanova. I didn't see Villanova getting this far, but that just goes to show you that you just never know how teams are going to play. You know, with their best player out, they've still had a remarkable run thus far. But I think that run ends here with Baylor as the Baylor Bears, I think, will um, just be too much for Villanova in this game. You have Arkansas, who outlasted Texas Tech last weekend, taking on probably the surprise, the second surprise team in this tournament um, in Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts um, have the leading score in the nation. Arkansas likes to shoot threes. They play in-your-face defense. This should be a really good matchup. I'm going to go with Arkansas in this game. Wouldn't I be surprised if Oral Roberts, the way they play, could pull another upset, but I am going to go with Arkansas in this game. And then... I would say probably the top surprise of this tournament because of who they beat, and that would be Loyola of Chicago. Sister Jean at 101 years old, she's dancing again, folks, as she gets to the Sweet 16. And so her Loyola of Chicago team is taking on another surprise team from the Pac-12, the Oregon State Beavers. I like Loyola of Chicago. I like the way they defend Oregon State has been a three-point shooting team thus far in this tournament, but I think that they're going to uh, meet their match against Loyola of Chicago. And then, of course, we have Jim Beheim riding the back in the coattail of his son, Buddy Beheim, taking on um, the Houston Cougars. Houston, we have a problem, and that problem is 
you're going to have to find a way to stop the sharp shooting of one Buddy Beheim. I think Houston has enough uh, talent, enough athletes that they can shut down Syracuse, but they can't find themselves getting behind like they did against against Rutgers and trying to um, come back in a game against the Syracuse team that loves to run that 2-3 matchup zone that Jim Beheim is famous for. This should be a good game, but I think Syracuse runs ends here. I like um, Houston in this game in the Sweet 16. So we'll tell you more about who will be in the Elite Eight, of course, and those games will be played on Monday and Tuesday. But this was our matchups for the Sweet 16. This has been a really, really good tournament. It may not be what some of you hope for uh, without the big names, like I said, Kansas or Kentucky, North Carolina or Duke. But as again, this is why we watch Mark Madness, because we want to see the upsets. We want to see teams like Loyola of Chicago or in this case, somebody like Oral Roberts, teams that have not been to, you know, the Final Four or an Elite Eight or even to a national championship. We want to see these type of teams, you know, have this type of run. This is what the magic of Marsh Madness is all about, and I'm here for this. So I'm really looking forward to these games over the stretch of the next four days. I hope that you have your favorite beverage and your remote set because you're going to get a full scale of basketball games over the course of this weekend. So uh, get ready. Don't forget to uh, get your lemon pepper wings, of course, and um, enjoy yourselves because this should be a very, very entertaining weekend if you are a basketball fan. And I don't know how you could not be a basketball fan during this during this season of March Madness. Speaking of tournament and March Madness, I want to talk about two outstanding players in March Madness. No, they're not on the men's side. They are on the women's side. And they are freshmen and they are sensational. The first is going to be Paige Becker. You know who she was. She was the number one recruit coming into the season from um, she's at the University of Connecticut, and she has been magical at the point guard spot. And she has a matchup with probably the second best freshman in the country, and that would be Caitlin Clark from Iowa. The two young players have been phenomenal, not only in the regular season, but in this March Madness tournament. Paige Becker in two games, in, in two games, she scored 44 points in the two games thus far in the tournament. Her counterpart, Caitlin Clark, in the two games thus far that she's played, she's scored 58 points. These are freshmen. They shouldn't be doing this by all accounts. They should not be doing this. These are not upperclassmen we're talking about. These are freshmen, and they're leading their teams into the Sweet 16 on the ladies' side. These teams, of course, you know, they don't play in a regular season. These two superstar young ladies have never played against one another. So this is one of those matchups that if this was the men's side, we would be talking about 
ad nauseum about the matchups. If this was somebody like when we when we had back in 1979 with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, it's that type of hype that these young ladies are going to give us because they're that good of players, good to be great. And I look forward to watching this game with these young ladies to see exactly what type of show that they put on. Another team to watch on the ladies' side, and I've been saying this since the beginning of the tournament, is the women of Maryland. The Lady Turtles, the Terps, Brenda Freeze. I'm telling you, folks, if you haven't been watching Maryland and you haven't been watching the Lady Turps and Brenda Freeze, you better tune in. They just scored 100 points in their last game. It's the third time in, in their tournament history that they've put, over, put up over 100 points. Although they've had some defections at Merlin over the last couple of years, I don't know what happened, but Brenda Freeze has her team back where they belong, and that is at the heart of the tournament in the Sweet 16, trying to make another run for another national championship. This may be one or maybe one of her best teams since that magical year when they won the national championship, but we're going to see um, because, like I said, on that side of the bracket for the Lady Terps at some point, they would have to meet up against Coach Don Staley and her South Carolina Gamecocks. So that would be almost a uh, precursor to a national championship game because of the caliber of coaches and players on both of those teams. But I look forward to seeing the Lady Terps rooting for them this weekend. And like I said, be ready for that matchup between Paige Becker and Caitlin Clark. Can't wait to see that. So we're going to step away from March Madness and college basketball right now to take a small break. And then when we return, we're going to talk about the NBA and the trades that were made, the trades that were not made, and scratch our head about some of the trades, some of the, I would say, some of the return on the trades that were made. Thank you for tuning in here to Uptempo Sports 24-7. We will be right back. Tempo Sports 24-7. I am your host, Coach P. And we have to talk about the NBA. And I thought this song was quite appropriate for the moment because so many teams had illusions about certain trades that they were proposing to make that did not come to fruition. And then the ones that did get made just needs us scratching our heads 
And we're going to start right there with the head scratcher. And that would be the Houston Rockets trading one Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat for a cup of coffee and your weekend newspaper. Houston, we have a problem. You obtained Victor Oladipo in the trade from James Harden when you flip-flopped players when Brooklyn sent you Karis LeVert and you sent Karis LeVert to the Indiana Pacers and they in return sent you Victor Oladipo. Why you didn't keep a Curtis LeVert, I never understood that when he had two years left on his deal. And Victor, you knew, was going to be a unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. If you had no intentions of re-signing Victor Oladipo and you were going to use him as a trade piece, why didn't you get back some assets? You... I don't know who's running the Houston Rockets at this particular point. Daryl Morey would have never made this type of a trade. We know Daryl Morey was a mad genius when it came to trades and negotiations. He would have never made this trade for a player like Victor and not gotten assets back. You received back Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. In a 2022 swap of picks, draft draft picks for Victor Oladipo. I'm I'm not understanding how that benefits you. Avery Bradley, I don't think has even played this year for Miami. And Kelly Olenek is a role player. How, how does that benefit you if you are the Houston Rockets and you are in disarray? You're in total rebuild mode how does this help you you don't get back a Duncan Robinson or a Kendrick Nunn or even Mr. Achuaway the young forward who Miami just selected this year from Memphis in the draft you don't get back any potential assets at all you just let basically you all could have just sat on Victor for the rest of this season and just let him walk scot-free to Miami next year. Because that's basically what you did anyway. Except for you just made it early, you just made it a year earlier. You got nothing back for Victor. And it makes no sense. Miami, congratulations, Pat Riley, Eric Spostra. We knew that Victor wanted to find his way to South Beach. He's there a year earlier. Now Miami gets a chance to evaluate and decide if they want to sign him to a long-term contract they at least will have his bird rights now. I can tell you this, that if you can't get rejuvenated when you go to South Beach, then you're not ready to play ball. And with Jimmy Butler being there and holding everybody accountable, I know Victor is a hard-working player. I know he's still probably still trying to get through um, last year's injury, but Jimmy Butler is going to push him. Jimmy's not going to let him come down and rest on his loyals. Jimmy's going to push him. So because Victor is from the DMV, from where I am, and because 
I've known Victor since he was in middle school at St. Jerome's in Highsville before he had an illustrious career in high school at DeMatha. I wish him nothing but the best. I think that he will definitely help Miami in their run for the playoffs. And if they can get LaMarcus Aldridge, I think they will also be a benefit for the Miami Heat. I just don't know what Houston is thinking about. Houston coming off, and I I need to make a correction as well. Um, In my prior podcast, I said that Houston was on a 12-game losing streak. I want to amend that. They were on a 20-game losing streak until they beat the Raptors on Monday. John Wall had re- John Wall recorded his first triple double in five years. The last time John Wall, when when healthy, recorded a triple double was February fifth of two thousand sixteen. And now you trade away a player like Victor, and you get nothing in return. And so basically, the return on your investments in trading away your best player. In the beard, James Harden, and then potentially your second best player that you had on your roster, Victor Oladipo, nets you nothing. Because Brooklyn, over the next couple of years, if everybody's healthy, the first round pick, I think they got two first round picks for James Harden. Those picks are not going to mean anything because Brooklyn is going to be a team contending for a championship. So that first round pick is going to be the end of the, near the end of the first round, the bottom part of the first round. It's not a lottery pick that you're going to receive. So it would have made more sense for the management of the Houston Rockets when they made that James Harden trade would have been to deal with Daryl Morey instead of with Sean Markkinen and the Brooklyn Nets. Either way, they got screwed. And it just makes no sense. And this goes back to the whole theory and idea when you hear people talk about, you know, you need experience to work in the NBA or you need experience to work in the NFL. You know, they always talk about people talking about they can make trades, guys that are armchair GMs. I've said this before and I will continue to say this until that day comes that I'm hired by someone to work in their front office this is not rocket science if you know anything about the game of basketball and anything about scouting and players you know that you should not be making a trade with anyone and not getting back assets when you start trade trading players the caliber of a victor oladipo and especially of the caliber of a james hart i mean these trades and 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 what was done netted you nothing. If this was stock, you should have you you should have bailed because your stock has plummeted and you put your young coach, Mr. Silas, in a very precarious situation. I just hope that the organization is as patient with Coach Silas as the fan base is going to be as patient with this rebuild. Because 
you have given him nothing to work with in regards to future assets. And it's just terrible that as long as it has taken for young Silas to get a head coaching opportunity, that this is what you give him. You give him a plate full of nothing. And it's just a shame that his first opportunity will probably blow up in his face because his upper management, his front office has not done enough to replace the superstar James Harden and the star caliber talent of someone like a Victor Oladipo for them to be reset, for them to be able to reset for the future. Good luck, Houston fans and Coach Salas. I hope that you will be given a grand opportunity, but I don't believe that you will. And maybe it may be a blessing in disguise if they do um, relieve you of your duties in the next year or so, so that you can get on board with a better franchise that will give you a better opportunity than the one that you have been presented with right now. Let's talk about speaking of organizations that don't know how to manage talent and players. Let's go down south to the Orlando Magic. Orlando didn't get rid of on didn't get rid of just one. They didn't get rid of just two. They got rid of three of their best players. They got rid of their best player, starting with Nikolo Vuvicic. I told you that I would not trade him. He would be the centerpiece of what I build around. At 27, 28 years old, an all-star big man who can not only play in the post, but he can take you out to the perimeter where he's shooting over 30%. Why would you want to trade him? He's a double-double machine every night. And in his last game in an Orlando Magic uniform, I think they played against Denver, he had 27 and 15. Why would you trade away that type of player especially on a contract considering his status as a player in this league that's pretty operable that's that's pretty convenient from a salary cap standpoint that he for the type of player that he is he's not making superstar money i mean you have someone like an auto porter who's making 28 and a half million dollars Wuchik is not making that. And Otto Porter's making that. And that's who you just traded for. So in this trade, in this trade with Chicago, Chicago gets the services of an all-star big man, and they return back to Orlando, Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. and a draft pick. Again, you're getting on your return pennies on a dollar. Wendell Carter is a solid player. He is not a star. And he's injury prone. So is Otto Porter. Overpaid, underachieved, not a star player. What what did you get? You you could have built your franchise around Nikolo Vuvicic. With players like Markel Fultz when he returns from his injury, 
Cole Anthony, who had gotten, whose uh, young career started off pretty well. And then Jonathan Isaac, when he returned healthy. But instead, now you get picks and you're in a total rebuild. I would have at least asked for Lauren Marketing. I know that you would have to pay him next year. But if I'm trading my centerpiece big man, then I would want that big man back in Lauren Marketing from Chicago. You get back Wendell Carter, who I said has been, he has been solid, but he's not a star in his league, and he's been injury prone. And Otto Porter, we already know what he does. So what are you doing? And then you in turn turn back around and give away Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon traded to the Denver Nuggets. We knew this was coming because Aaron Gordon had voiced his frustration with the Orlando Magic organization. And so we knew that he was going to be moved. We just wasn't sure where he was going to end up at. This is a incredible piece to that Denver Nuggets offense. And defensively, I think that he is going to really help Denver in their playoffs because he gives, gives them what they lost when Jeremy Grant left to go to Detroit. He gives them more athleticism. He might not be as a good of a shooter as Jeremy Grant, but he gives them more athleticism and he will be able to give them what Jeremy Grant gave them last year, which is someone who can go out and defend your three man. He's a athletic three slash four and he can go out and defend the likes of a Paul George, a LeBron if needed be, uh, help out on a um, player like Kawhi Leonard. So I think that Denver, to me, along with Miami, won the draft. And then you had Denver also picking up JaVale McGee. And so you may say, well, JaVale McGee is on the downside of his career. That is absolutely correct. But JaVale McGee gives them something that they lost when Miles Plumley also defected to the Detroit Pistons. And that was a backup center who was at least seven feet tall. And they could come in, not necessarily need to score, but can give you a defensive presence. So JaVale is still athletic, even at this age, to still give you a defensive presence, give you some rebounds. And if you needed to, he could play alongside the Joker because he doesn't take away from what the Joker does. Because the Joker, we know, is a do-it-all big man. He can stay outside or he can go and hit you with a mid-range game or take you down on the post. So I think that the Nuggets definitely upgraded themselves for a significant playoff run. And then the last piece of the puzzle to be traded away was Evan Fournier, the two guard from Orlando who went on to the Boston Celtics. This will help Boston's bench if they want to bring him in as a six man. They would give them that would definitely elevate their scoring from their bench, which has lacked that piece. Um, 
I don't know if it's going to be enough to get them over the hump against the likes of a Miami Heat or the 76ers or Brooklyn. But at least they made a move because they knew that they had a deficiency in regards to being able to score points. Their two best players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, now have somebody else who can go out and get their own shot and get points. So that will lift a little bit of the burden off of their shoulders. But I just don't, at the end of the day, I think they needed to make a big swoop in. To me, I don't know why Danny Ainge is holding on to all these assets and you're not making any moves. I mean, Nikola Vujicic would have been great for Boston. I'll go along with those two young studs that they have. I would have liked to seen a move like that. Um, so I just think that Boston is going to be okay in regards to maybe getting out of the first round. But other than that, I don't see them making any noise in this playoff run. The biggest move that wasn't made that everybody anticipated, we just didn't know where it was going to end up at, was all-star guard Kyle Lowry. We had been hearing for days on end that Kyle Lowry was going to be moved. Kyle Lowry, 35-year-old point guard, in the last year of his contract, we knew that Toronto was going to try to move him considering that they had just signed um, Fred Van Fleet to an enormous contract after the bubble. So we knew that they were going to be looking to move away from Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry still playing very well, but Kyle Lowry's in the last year of his contract and we want an extension. And it wouldn't make sense to give a 35-year-old point guard an extension on a team that's young like Toronto and the mere fact that you just signed his replacement to such a lucrative deal that wouldn't make sense but what also didn't make sense is that Toronto played bully ball in regards to this trade and the assets that they thought they were going to get back it just made no sense I mean there were Trades to be made. Philadelphia had made an offer. They had a bidding war going on between the Sixers, the Lakers, and the Heat. And it sounds like one of the points of contention with Miami was that Toronto wanted Tyler Hero. I'm with Miami. Why would I trade a 21-year-old young and upcoming player like a Tyler Hero for a 35-year-old possibly rental point guard because it's no it was nothing saying definitely that Miami would be willing to sign Kyle Lowry to an extension so I can see why they didn't want to include Tyler Hero and if you're anybody at this particular point and you know I would be trying to do Kyle Lowry as a rental they had the Lakers trying to send KCP, um, Dennis Schroeder, and Mr. Houghton, who they wanted really bad in a deal. And the Lakers said, no way. Dennis Schroeder, to me, has been playing very, Dennis Schroeder, I'm sorry, has been playing very well for the Lakers. Kyle Lowry may be a better three-point shooter. He may be even be 
he has the playoff experience. But folks, you're, you're talking again about a 35-year-old point guard. And that's no knock on Kyle Lowry. I still think that he's effective. I still think that he's been playing at an all-star pace. But if you were getting him and he was already under contract, that's one thing. I'm not giving up an array of assets for a player who I still have to pay for an extension for at least two more years at 35 years old. I'm not giving up quality assets and youth for a player who's not going to push me. You're not talking about as if, you know, you're talking about trading for LeBron in his 18th season and knowing that he could get you over the hump. That's not what Kyle Lowry is going to do for you. Kyle Lowry is going to come in and be a steady voice in the locker room. He's going to come in with playoff experience and playoff wherewithal. But he alone is not going to get you over the hump. And that's what I kept saying the whole time. I kept hearing some of these possible trade scenarios that they were talking about that Toronto was looking for. Now, I understand if you're Toronto, you're trying to get the best deal and you're going to ask for what you want. But I'm just glad to see that these teams didn't bite, didn't bite the apple. And that's no offense to Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry has been one of the most dependable point guards in the NBA during the course of his career. He is one of the toughest point guards in the NBA. Savvy, smart point guard in the NBA. But at 35 years old and still having to pay him, I would not be willing to give up some of the assets that they were asking for in Toronto in order to get his services for a possible one-year rental. And I'm just glad to see that the Lakers didn't push the panic button. I think the Lakers are going to be in on trying to get someone like an Andre Drummond, who I hear has reached an agreement with the Cleveland Cavaliers for a buyout. Um, Don't know what that amount is, but he should be hitting the market here probably over the weekend or at least the first part of next week. So we should start hearing more news about where Mr. Drummond will end up. We know that teams like the Knicks are going to throw money at him. Of course, we've talked about the Lakers. We've heard rumors about Brooklyn. I've heard something about the Clippers. That's not the Clippers' problem. The Clippers' problem is they need leadership, and we'll talk about them in a second. But like I said, I just didn't understand why some of the deals that could have been made for Kyle Lowry, why they were holding steadfast to try to take teams for all they're worth. It just didn't make any sense to me, and that's why Kyle Lowry is returning back to Toronto for the rest of the season. So we'll have to keep a watch on what happens to him this summer. Who would be interested in trying to sign him to a two-year extension? You had Toronto being able to move Norman Powell to Portland. Portland in return gets uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. I like Norman Powell. But I was really surprised that Portland pulled the trigger on this only because of the fact that 
Gary Trent Jr., if you've been following his career since he came in as a lottery pick from Duke, he has steadfastly improved his game each and every year. And to me, this was a player that was on the come up. And I know that he would be a free, he's going to be a free agent this summer um, looking for a nice deal. He probably will get a nice deal. We knew Portland had an array of guards. So because Norman Powell is a little bit bigger, he can give him a defender that can defend on the wing. I think that was one of the intriguing pieces. And he's athletic. So I think that was one of the intriguing pieces for Portland and why they made this deal. Um, they still have um, Anthony Simmons, who can take over that guard spot as a backup right now coming off the bench. He's a better scorer, um, I think, than, well, let me say this. He's not as tough as Gary Trent. I think he shoots the ball um, just as well as Gary Trent, maybe slightly a little bit better. He's more of a true point guard than Gary Trent is, too. But Gary Trent had a toughness about him, and he got that from his father, who Gary Trent, who played in the league. Um, but I think that's a nice piece for uh, Toronto, and I think it's a nice piece for Portland. I think everybody benefited. Rodney Hood, not sure about where he fits in. Um, remember, he was coming back off of that injury from last year. I think it was in the torn Achilles, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think he has been – he's fully come back around yet. So we'll have to see how that works out for him. But um, Portland is trying to make a run in the playoffs. They got the return of C.J. McCollum back. And, of course, Dame has been Dame time all season long. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that Portland Trailblazers team. Then we had J.J. Redick going to the Dallas Mavericks. This was a player that I thought that the L.A. Lakers should have been looking at. You know, they kept talking about them getting Kyle Lowry and maybe even Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic. That would have been that would have been a bad piece to pick up. But J.J. Redick, to me, was somebody that I think that they should have really kicked the tires on because of the fact that they need more scoring from the outside. Um, I know he's been banged up this year. He has not been the J.J. Redick um, of old, but you don't need him necessarily for right now. You need him come playoff time, and that's what I was wondering why the Lakers didn't make a push for J.J. Redick. Speaking of making a push, we talked about Rondo, and we talked about leadership, and that's what the Clippers are going to get since they just made that trade for Rajon Rondo with Atlanta. Rondo is another player who has been up and down this year with injuries, but you know what you're going to get come playoff time. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. That is not a myth. It's legendary. That is facts. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. Um, I just don't know if Rondo is what the Clippers need at this particular point. I know he brings leadership. I don't know if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have the mindset to want to deal with what Rondo's bringing. Rondo is a get-in-your-face leader. He is tough as nails. He's not the shooter like a Kyle Lowry, but he is a player that expects nothing but professionalism and for you to bring your best every night. I don't know if the Clippers overall have that same type of mentality. So, you know, this could be a situation where it could be beneficial to the Clippers 
or it could be a situation where it blows up in their face. We're just going to have to see not only if these if Rondo's going to be healthy enough for the Clippers, but are they going to be willing to buy in to what Rondo's going to bring to the table? That's what we're going to wait to see in that regard. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm glad to see Atlanta decided to play smart and keep John Collins. I think that that would have been something that they would have regret. I know that they still have to resign him this summer. So maybe you'll see him this summer um, either get a sign and trade deal or they'll actually lock him in. I believe that he and Trey Young are the future of that young franchise and they need to do the right thing and resign him. So we'll keep an eye out on that. Um, have to keep an eye out on the Knicks because we thought they were going to try to make some moves. We'll see what, they, what happens with them with the Andre uh, Drummond move um, because, like I said, he's got plenty of suitors that are going to be lining up to try to get his services. Uh, I think he, fit-wise, I think he is exactly what the Lakers need at this particular point because of the fact that Anthony Davis and LeBron are both out and it doesn't look like you're going to see LeBron until probably first part of May. Um, And that might not be a bad thing. I mean, even if he is uh, a little healthier before the first part of May, it may be best to keep him out because of the number of minutes that he was playing prior to this, um, this injury. So we're going to have to figure out what the Lakers are going to do and who are they going to try to get on the, uh, buyout market they can they can bring in to try to help them um but i'm like i said i'm just glad to see that they didn't push the panic button and go all in you know i've heard reporters talking about my man chris bouchard chris bouchard was talking about Bush was talking about possibly going all in um on Kyle Lowry because his mentality was win now and I get it because of LeBron's age but you you can't just give away those type of assets because again like I said Kyle Lowry doesn't take you to the next level you know he's a steady playmaker and leader but he's not going to be the difference in between you and another team winning a championship if they get ad and lebron back and if they're able to sign somebody like andre drummond they're fine dennis like i said dennis Schroeder has been to me has been really a good player for them this year and if wesley matthews can start heating up from the outside if um kyle kuzman can be more consistent and another thing the lakers had rumors out there about trying to get rid of Montrezl Harrell. I think that would have been a horrific idea. We know Montrezl Harrell is not a rim protector. I don't think they brought him in to be a rim protector. They brought him in to be an energizer guy. They brought him in to be a tough guy. And that's that he's all of those things. So I'm glad that he was not a part of any trade, that they're retaining his services. And they will, they should have. He has been what they needed and to me he has been what the Clippers could have used now we see that um, in a trade for Rondo 
you're going to have a situation where you have um, Rondo in regards to his minutes. How are they going to utilize his minutes? Because that's like I said, he's been banged up this year. So you're going to have to see how they, you know, go about using his minutes. Will he be splitting time with Reggie Jackson? Will they bring him off the bench? You know, they had to get rid of Lou Will. So Lou Will is going back home to Atlanta. Uh, there was rumors out there that Lou Will was talking about possibly retiring. But I think that Lou Will going back will give Atlanta scoring a scoring punch off the bench. Um, and then he'll be a free agent at the end of the season. That would have been somebody that the Lakers, you know, remember he was once a Laker. He was originally, you know, drafted by his hometown team, Atlanta, when he came came into the league. But somebody like a Lou Will would have been perfect for the Lakers, give them some offense coming off the bench. Um, so we're going to see. It's going to be really exciting to see what the playoffs look like, especially in the Western Conference, considering how well teams like Phoenix is playing. They didn't make any moves. The Utah Jazz, the number one team in the West right now, they didn't make any moves. Seeing how all these teams pan out. But like I said, if the Lakers don't get healthy enough to get AD and LeBron back, you can just counsel them for the season. And we may be talking about someone like the Denver Nuggets or Utah being a representative in the um, Western Conference for the championship if those guys don't make it back healthy this season. We want to stay on this basketball note and we want to talk about what Zion is doing down with the Pelicans. Folks, if you're not watching Zion, then you're not watching television. You're not watching NBA because Zion is ripping it up. They may not be winning on a consistent basis, but he and Brandon Ingram are going to be a problem for years to come. Now, I know they talked about the Pelicans being sellers. We thought maybe that they would move Eric Bledsoe or Lonzo Ball, but uh, they could not strike a deal with Chicago after Chicago made that trade for uh, Nikola Vucevic, they could not make a deal with Chicago for Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, to his credit, has worked very hard and has had a very steady season this year and a much improved season. He's had he has a much improved shot and he has he has played very well. Um, so I think that the Pelicans are gonna have a decision to make going into the offseason because he will be a unrestricted free agent so they're gonna have to make a decision about what they want to do but let's talk back about zion zion only the third player since mj michael jordan and david robinson to at his age over a 65 game span to score more than 1500 points that is ridiculous and he is basically scoring more than 20 points a game and shooting a field goal percentage of 55 percent is it has it has seesawed back and forth between 50 to close to 60 percent it's ridiculous we're not talking about a guard 
We're not even talking about someone who shoots the ball so elaborate from the outside. We're talking about a power player who has the power and the finesse and athleticism to get to the rack, a a developing mid-range game. He is just a total package. And if his jump shot continues to get better from distance, he is going to be unstoppable. Unstoppable. A version of Sean Kemp slash Charles Barkley. Sean Kemp's athleticism, Charles Barkley's size. What I want to see from him is what everybody wants to see is him become a better rebounder. He needs to be a better rebounder and a better defender. But again, we're talking about a player and really his this is his first full season. Considering last year with COVID and everything and with him coming off of an injury, this is his first full season. So imagine what you're looking forward to in the next couple of years. I'm not talking about the next three or four years. I'm talking about within the next two years. He is built for TV. He is box office night in and night out. Just unbelievable talent, work ethic, and definitely worth the price of admission. And those fans in New Orleans, when they can all start coming back into the arena, are not going to be disappointed by their young superstar or their his um, running mate Brandon Ingram, and I want to I want to say this about Brandon Ingram because I was one of those people who early on I thought Brandon Ingram could have a really good career. I caught a lot of backlash from some of my friends when I tried to say that he was built like Kevin Durant. I never said that he was KD. I just said he had some of the same uh, makeup as KD in regards to his his physical makeup. Some of the things that KD could do, I said that Brandon Ingram could do those things too. Not Maybe not as well off the grip, but I said, but he had the makeup to be a player like that. And I and as you can see now, I, wasn't, I really wasn't wrong. I'm, I've never said that he was going to be KD. I just said that he had some of the likeness of a Kevin Durant. And he's proven me to be right. The young man has worked on his game. I think that the spotlight in LA was a little bit too bright considering he was the uh, third pick in the draft, just like Lonzo was the second pick in the draft. I just think the spotlight for those young players was was a heavy burden to have to carry. And now in, a, in a, an environment where it's not as the focal point media-wise, it's not like it is if it was in L.A., I think you've seen an opportunity for all these players that were traded for um, A.D., to blossom Brandon Ingram Mr. Hart Lonzo Ball these guys have found their footing in New Orleans and under the right coaching and and the addition of a few more players these guys are going to be to me a team that has an opportunity to really really be one of those teams that we talk about here in the next three to four years. I think it's going to take a little bit more time. We're going to have to see if Stan Van Gundy is the coach that can lead them that way, but they're going to be a team to be reckoned with here in the next three to four years if um, David Griffin, the GM, 
can get the right type of players in there to go along with those two stars, potential superstar in Zion um, for the future. Let's stay with this basketball for one more uh, segment. And I don't know if you all heard what Draymond Green said. Draymond came out and made a statement that he believed that he was the best defender of all time. Let me say that again. Draymond Green made a statement that he was the best defender, best defensive player of all time. So let's think about this for a second. Draymond Green is 6'8", maybe 6'9", says that he was the best defender of all time. Draymond Green has been an essential cog for Golden State in their run for the playoffs and their championships. Not a, no, no, no one's questioning that at all. He has definitely been one of the pieces to the puzzle that has helped Golden State to be one of the best teams in NBA history when they made their run. I don't personally believe that Draymond Green is even a Hall of Famer. He may get to Hall of Fame status one day. I personally don't believe that he's a Hall of Famer. That's just my personal opinion. I don't believe he's a Hall of Famer. With that being said, he has the right to feel a certain way about himself. Again, he is an integral part to why Golden State won the championships. He has been an integral part to why they are waiting for the return of their other star, Klay Thompson, to be healthy again. But to come out and say that you are the best defender ever in the NBA, when you've had the likes of Michael Jordan, Akeem Olajuwon, Tony Allen. For those of you all who don't know who Tony Allen is, go back and watch the Memphis Grizzlies. Tony Allen, the late great Kobe Bryant, and Tony Allen had so many great matchups when they played against each other. Tony Allen was a dog. He may not have been a great offensive player. Defensively, I believe one of the top defenders in the league. I'm not going to necessarily say NBA history, but if you want to go as far as to say that, that's fine. But there's no question that during his time that he played in the league, Tony Allen was always one of the top defenders in the NBA. I just don't see Draymond being that guy. Like I said, Draymond is a great piece to the puzzle for Golden State. Draymond has been a really good defender in the NBA. But I do not agree with him saying that he is the best all-time defender. Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen is a Hall of Famer. One of the accolades that was bestowed upon Scottie Pippen is that he was one of the best defenders, especially on a perimeter that you could have on any team. They always put Scottie on the best offensive player to help Mike out so that Mike could utilize all his energy for scoring. But don't get it twisted. Michael Jordan was a hell of a defensive player, too. He took pride in playing defense. But Scottie Pippen was the guy that you assigned to a power forward or a small forward to take them out. 
So if you want to talk about all-time great defenders, Scotty was a all-time great defender. Mike, all-time great defender. Gary Payton, they called him the glove for a reason. All-time great defender. I'm not sitting here saying Gary Payton is the best defender I've ever seen, but Gary Payton was a hell of a defender. He was a hell of a defender. Like I said, Elijah Wan, David Robinson. There's been a lot of really good. And if I just happened to watch, I caught NBA TV last night, and they were doing a segment on players. One of my all-time favorite players, for those of you who don't know, is Dwayne Wade. People don't realize just how much of an athlete Dwayne Wade was. People don't realize just how much of a defender on the perimeter that Dwayne Wade was. I mean, I, I, I had flashbacks last night when I saw Dwayne Wade remembering some of the highlights that they showed of just how dynamic of a defender. We knew how dynamic of an offensive player he was. But as a defender, at a guard, at 6'4 guard, he was ridiculous. He was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you they showed plays with him going vertically straight up and blocking dunks of guys that were six or seven inches taller than him. It was ridiculous. And I'm not talking about where he barely got the ball. I'm talking about where he he capsulized their shots. So for Draymond to put his chest out and talk about that he's the all-time greatest defender, dude, you, you got a lot of people to go up against. And I'm not mad at you for thinking that you are the best. If you don't think you're the best, who else is going to think you're the best? So I'm not sitting here trying to be critical of Draymond because he has the right to his opinion. I think, I, like I said, Draymond has been a really good defender in this league. And during his period of time with that, that Golden State run, he may have been at the top of his game and, and may, have been the top of the, may have been the top of the defenders during that run that they made. But all-time great defender, he can't get that accolade from me. And I think there's a whole lot of people that would side with me saying that Draymond cannot receive that accolade. But again, like I said, he wants to give himself flowers. That's fine. He wants to pat himself on the back. That's fine. He's got championship hardware to show that he was a part and an integral part of why Golden State had a little run of a dynasty. But to say all-time great at something, I'm sorry. I just don't think that he was, and I don't think you'll get many people to – to sign off on that saying that he was. But like I said, once again, Draymond has the right to his opinion. So we're going to leave it right there. So we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the NFL and some of these moves that are still being made in free agency. And one of those is, is anyone going to beat Tampa Bay? Is anyone going to beat Tom Brady? and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with what they're doing out here in free agency. We'll answer that question when we return to Uptempo Sports in our last in our last segment. Again, we thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. Oh, 
All right, welcome back to this last segment of Uptempo Sports 24-7. I am your host, Coach P. And I thought this was the appropriate song for what we're going to talk about here with the NFL, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because the boys are back in town. They are bringing the band back in Tampa Bay. Everybody has been signed, sealed, and delivered, and Tom Brady is bracing himself for his eighth Super Bowl championship run. Incredible. I would have never thought that Tampa Bay would have been in position to bring everybody back. I thought for sure that we knew that they said they were going to franchise Chris Godwin. I thought that Shaq Barrett was going to test free agency and they wouldn't be able to bring him back. They re-signed um, uh, Pierre Paul. They brought back Leonard Fournette. I thought that he may test free agency. Teams, a team, someone like the um, Pittsburgh Steelers, I thought should have been looking at Leonard Fournette. They need to upgrade their running game. I don't know where they are financially, if they could have been able to bring him in, even if you brought him in on a one-year deal, because that's all they got at Tampa Bay. And I think it's for $4 million at Tampa Bay, and I think that's incentive-laden. I don't know, again, financially where Pittsburgh is, but to me, that's the type of back that Ben needs to have in the backfield um, in order to bring back that grit and grind that we knew that the Pittsburgh Steelers were famous for back in the day. So for Tampa Bay to bring everybody back, including Indomitian Sue, who just signed a one-year deal yesterday, is unfreaking believable So if you want to talk about bringing the band back, talk about the boys are back in town, this is the team that brought everybody back. And you and you don't think that Tom Brady is ready to embrace another chance to get another championship ring and distance himself as by far the greatest quarterback of all time? If you still have any doubts, I mean you shouldn't have any you shouldn't have had any doubts after he got six. And then he got number seven last year. If the Buccaneers find themselves in a situation where they have a chance to repeat and Tom Brady gets his eighth championship ring, we won't be able to talk about any other quarterbacks. And physically, I'm going to tell you honestly, Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback in regards to physicality. But in regards to his willingness to sacrifice, his desire and drive to win, and his preparation to be the greatest separates him from everybody else. And Tampa Bay on paper looks very scary. And the reason why they look scary is because, remember last year, because of the pandemic, you did not have OTAs. So basically, it was learning on the fly. They have a whole training camp with OTAs and then a real full training camp with everybody back and everybody able to stay healthy. I hate to say it. I don't see anybody beating Tampa Bay. I really I really don't. And that includes Kansas City. 
I mean, Kansas City is going to have to make some moves. I know that they probably will look to dip into the draft to try to get some more offensive line help for Patrick Mahomes. Now, he still has the same weapon tree. So that will be an interesting move. But I think that they should have made some more moves defensively, and maybe they will. But I'm telling you, Tampa Bay right now looks like the odds-on favorite to possibly repeat. And we haven't seen that since New England, the New England days, to repeat as the Super Bowl champs. But we had some other things going on besides the re- the um, reunion of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. want to talk about another move that I think that the Washington football team just made in signing wide receiver Adam Humphreys from Tennessee. Remember, the Titans released Adam Humphreys. His best time was in when he was in as a slot receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this gives um, Fitzmagic, the new quarterback of the Washington football team, another added weapon. Remember, and I want to apologize for those of you who may have been tuning in and listening to me talk about some of the free agency moves. And I made reference to Curtis Samuel as Chris Samuel. Well, the, the Washington football team had an offensive lineman um back in the day named Chris Samuel that had a pretty good career he was a pro bowl pro bowl tackle offensive tackle for them so I think that I alluded to Curtis Samuel as Chris Samuel so I want to apologize to any Washington football fans that listen to my podcast I do know football I do know who I I do know who I was referring to but I just got caught up in a moment so I apologize to any fans that I may have um, offended by calling Curtis Samuel Chris Samuel. And to Curtis Samuel, I want to recognize you because you are a hell of a football player and you're going to be a problem along with your partner in crime, Terry McLaurin, in the wide receiver position for the Washington football team. My Dallas Cowboys are going to definitely have to make sure they shore up their defense because you guys are going to be a hell of a duo um, in Washington. Speaking of Dallas, um, we told you about them signing Keanu Neal, and they just signed his partner um, also from Atlanta to try to play free safety. Um, DeMonte KZ, we'll see how healthy he is. That's going to be a key component. And then we're going to see if they can land themselves a corner in the draft. Patrick Sertain did nothing to make us think that he could not be the guy that comes in here and be a number one corner. He had a a hell of a pro day at Alabama, but so did J.C. Horn down at South Carolina. Um Caleb Fowler, we told you he was having uh, back surgery to um, show up a disc in his back. So I don't know if he's still going to be considered a top 10 pick defensively. Um, He may be the best athlete of the three, but I was not disappointed in what I saw numbers wise from Patrick Sertain. I think that he any people who had any doubts about his speed may have been eased by what he ran in the 40. Pardon me. Um, J.C. Horn also showed um, his elite speed in his 40-yard run. But 
I don't know if you want to take him at number 10. And there's no disrespect to him at all. But he's a more handsy defender. And in the NFL, we know that they're not going to let you pull and tug on the receiver without throwing that flag. So that's something I'm sure that can be corrected with proper training. And um, we'll see what the Cowboys do. But I like the idea of taking Patrick Sertan with that pick at number 10 if he's still available. Hopefully he will be available. And um, we'll see what happens. But we just got some breaking news today in regards to movement with some teams in the draft as the San Francisco 49ers move from pick number 12 up to the third pick in the draft when they made a swap with Miami, gave Miami two future first-round picks and a third-round pick. And then what Miami did was Miami flipped the script and they traded with the Philadelphia Eagles to get the sixth pick to get back up there in the top 10, and Philly would take the 12th pick. Now, the rumor had it that Philadelphia wanted to move up to get to number three, but they were not guaranteed that Zach Wilson was going to be available. And that is because the New York Jets sit at number two. And by all accounts, after what he did in his pro day today, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Zach Wilson will be the new quarterback in New York City. I saw a little bit of his workout. I never questioned him being able to throw the football. I saw him play. I never questioned him being able to throw the football. The question has been whether he will be able to survive in that division with the likes of a Bill Belichick, Brian Flores, and Sean McDermott, three great defensive-minded coaches with what New York was putting around him. I think if the Jets do decide to move on from Sam Donald, they're going to have to get their interior line still built up. We know that they drafted a big lineman last year at tackle. They're going to have to go back and dip back in the draft and get another lineman. They've made some substantial moves in free agency, bringing in Corey Davis and some other players. Um, Carl Lawson on defense, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to show up that offensive line. Zach Wilson can move. Um, the arm talent is there, but you don't want your quarterback having to be a running back and run for his life. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets decide to do with Sam Donald. I believe that there will be a trade on draft day or a couple of days leading into the draft. I think that after watching Zach Wilson's pro day, I think pretty much the Jets are going to move in a direction to select their quarterback with their new regime. I think Sam Sam Donald will be traded. And I'm going to say one of the trade spots that um, they've been talking about lightly, even though they just bought in um, Fitzmagic in Washington, don't be surprised if you see Sam Donald come to Washington. We don't know what they would have to, what the Jets would be wanting for Sam Donald, but I will not be surprised if someone like Washington decides to pull a trigger on draft day to get Sam Donald. We know that next year's 
quarterback crop will not be anywhere near this particular group. So if you want your quarterback, you better try to get one in this draft. I don't think that Mac Jones should be a top 10 quarterback. That's just me. Um, Mac Jones, four years start. I mean, four years at Alabama, first full year this year as a starter. Um, I I just think a quarterback at Alabama, with all the talent that's around him, you don't have any adversity. You you don't have the propensity of having to come back. You don't have that where you have been hit. And have to, you know, pick yourself up off the ground and make big plays because your team is always in front. You're always leading. You've all, you know, if you're at Alabama, you got four and five star recruits on your offensive line, four and five star recruits in the backfield, four and five star recruits on the defensive side of the ball, four and five star recruits on your offensive line. When are you going through any adversity? And that's what each every quarterback has to have a little bit of adversity so you can see what they can endure. Because in the NFL, the blueprint is not like it is in Alabama. You're not going to have four and five star recruits in every position in the NFL. You're going to have some subpar players and you're going to have to be able to work along with them and around them in order for you as the quarterback to lead your team to victories. I'm not sure that Mac Jones can do that and not trying to be disrespectful to Mac Jones, but when you don't have to play against opponents that have the same quality of players that you have, it makes a big difference. And especially on the NFL level. So we're going to have to really see how this goes. I have a feeling that he's going to get overdrafted because teams are scrambling for quarterbacks But we'll see. San Francisco, now that they're in the third slot, I've heard people talking about they're going to go get Justin Fields. I personally, and I've said this before, I like Trey Lance. Nothing is Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields too. But I like Trey. From what I've seen, I like Trey Lance. And I really believe that San Francisco is going to move up, and I think they're going to take Trey Lance. Um, If you're... Atlanta at four, do you move from that pick and trade out of that? You know, we keep hearing stories that they potentially could take a quarterback. Matt Ryan has two years left on his deal. He has two enormous years left on his deal that Atlanta would be crushed salary cap wise if they tried to move away from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan still is playing at a high level. They need help everywhere, offensive line, defensive line, secondary. Julio Jones is still a monster if he can still play. Calvin Ridley is a great uh, Robin to Julio's Batman, so you don't need that to be an issue. But you have got to get talent on this team. And you drafting a quarterback and having him sit for two years because Matt Ryan can't be moved You're at the fourth spot. I just honestly believe that you need to draft somebody who can help you. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get phone calls from somebody like the Carolina Panthers or the Denver Broncos. We know Denver wants to get an upgraded quarterback position. 
We've seen them trying to reinforce their defense. They're bringing back Von Miller, and they've made some uh, moves secondary-wise. So I don't know if they stay at nine, if they're going to try to go get another corner or if they're going to try to you know see who's available at quarterback. But don't be surprised. Number four is the wild card now. So will Atlanta stay there and draft someone like a Trey Lance if he doesn't go to San Francisco, or would they take Justin Fields if Justin Fields is there? That's the wild card, number four. If Atlanta wants to trade out of that and move back to get additional picks to help build that team back up, or if they feel like that they need to get a quarterback now because they don't know what's going to happen in two years with Matt Ryan. That's when, that's the spot we're going to be looking for. But me personally, I believe that San Francisco is going to take Trey Lance, and as much as they keep saying they're going to be bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo, if they get a phone call from Bill Belichick and the Patriots that they're willing to give them a third-round pick maybe or a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that they would make that trade in a heartbeat. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, that's the only team I could see him possibly going to. Um, that will be interesting because of the fact that they did bring back Cam, but the contract that Cam has is not a real big contract. It's very incentive-laden, so they could get from under that. Personally, I think with the weapons that now that Cam has now in New England, I think he would definitely have a better year than he did last season. I don't think anybody with those weapons could have been successful last season if you were a quarterback at New England. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy for an entire. Now we're going to a 17-game season. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy for 17 games. So it would be interesting if they pull the trigger on bringing him back to New England if he could even win a spot from Cam. That would be the interesting part. I think Cam healthy, and with those weapons, I think Cam could could beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just my personal opinion. I've always been a Cam Newton fan, so I personally believe that although he didn't look his best last year, not sure if that shoulder is completely healed, I still think overall he gives you a lot more than Jimmy Garoppolo does. But we'll see and keep an eye on what they're going to do um, in New England and in San Francisco now, now that this big move has been made. I think Miami, moving back up into the top 10, wants to get a playmaker. Either that playmaker will be on the offensive line or wide receiver. I know that they signed Will Fuller to a one-year deal. Do they go and dip and get somebody like a Kyle Pitts if he's still sitting here at six? Or do they go and get more help on the outside and go get, to me, I believe, is the best receiver in this draft in Jamar Chase. We'll see. I know Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, is a nice player. Jamar Chase, for me, is the best best receiver in this draft, in my opinion. Um, and so I think that that will be something that we keep an eye on as well. Baltimore finally addressed their wide receiver position as they had brought in Sammy Watkins the other day for um, an interview and it sounds like now that they have reached an agreement to a one-year deal for those of you who don't understand Sammy Watkins is a hell of a talent nobody's ever questioned his talent or his ability as a wide receiver he has just not been able to stay healthy even if Baltimore can only get 
Sammy for let's say they can only get him for 12 or 13 games and then when it's time for them to make a playoff run he's healthy that's all they need he will be definitely be an upgrade on the outside because not only does he have size he has the speed too so you add him with Hollywood along with Mr. Andrews at the tight end I still if I'm Baltimore I would double dip and try to get another receiver in a draft because receiver is still a spot that they need to upgrade so I would still look to try to draft a receiver but I think that bringing in Sammy Watkins shows Lamar Jackson that they are serious about trying to help him out in his opportunities to try to get this team over the hump. We've seen what Cleveland is doing. Cleveland has had a hell of an offseason. They've shored up the back line of their defense. I still think they're going to have to try to go draft a linebacker. That's where they seem to, their Achilles heel needs to be. Seems to be at right now. I'm sorry. Um, but it's going to be very interesting across the board. A lot of teams have made steady headway in what they've done in regards to bringing in players. Matt Breida signed with Buffalo that it helps their running game. Remember, Matt Breida was a monster when he was in San Francisco. He's a little banged up for the uh, Miami Dolphins last year, so we'll see what he has left in the tank. But that was a big pickup for Buffalo. Buffalo's made some moves to help out Josh Allen on the offensive side of the ball. We're looking for them to make some moves, too, to try to help out their pass rush. So it's going to be an interesting season for the NFL, and it's only going to get louder as we get closer to the NFL draft. So we just want to say thank you for everybody who's tuned in to this Friday edition of Uptempo Sports. Remember, you can find us on all your social media platforms. We thank you for uh, letting us come into your your home and giving you a little bit of insight onto things that are going on in the world of sports. We hope that everyone has a great weekend. We hope that your bracket is not completely busted and that you can still possibly enjoy um, this weekend's basketball games, both men and women. And if you don't have a team that's still in it, where you have a real true rooting interest, you can just sit back and relax. I think you're going to be surprised with some of these teams that you may not have heard of like Oral Roberts um, and um, Loyola Chicago, you're going to see those teams come in and really show themselves this weekend. So with that, we just want to say to you, have a great weekend. And as we always say before we tune out, it's always what with us. Same bad time, same bad channel. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate your support. Continue to talk about us. Continue to spread the word about Uptempo Sports 24-7 to your friends and family. Peace.